Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce all remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens tracks facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm-hmm. Is functional a word? No, probably not. So fu- functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we are talking about men, or rather we are asserting that we need to keep talking about men. I know that there's a conversation that almost seems a little bit tired in talking about toxic masculinity and um, the effect of that kind of language on our boys and our men. But I really do feel like it's something that we need to keep talking about. I feel like it's a conversation that needs to stay in front of us. And um, I know recently we had a couple posts on Facebook here that um, I would say gathered a little bit of uh, some, you know, commentary, you know, (laughs) and uh, garnered just a little bit of attention um, and talking about just a culture of softness. And I know that this is something that has been really like heavy on your heart for Mm -hmm. a number of years as you've watched the decline in not only the presence of men in their families, but also the expectation that men should be in their families. Yeah, definitely. There's a move to soften men, I think, is from the enemy. I think, uh, you know, when there is an attack on masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, on, um, you know, just being a man, that's attack from the enemy because the enemy knows the order of things and understands that if we can distort what a man is, then, you know, he can have a foothold within families, within the nation. Mm. And so, I, you know, 
man, I think a lot of it, we have to uh, get back to what the Bible has said about the order, you know, and how men should function. Uh, it's not one of just being muscle bound and being like this and that, you know, but man, to the true qualities of being a godly man, you know, and one of those qualities is truly being present for the family. So to that point, I mm-hmm. came across this article that was um, really, it's an excerpt from Nancy Piercy's book on um, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought, man, this is really interesting. And as I, I got into it, of course, as with anything that you might read, you learn a lot of details that you feel like, man, you know, learning a little bit of history is really good. Um, but I found this article over at the Christian Post, and it's taken from uh, Nancy Piercy's book, The Toxic War on Masculinity. And Nancy mm. Piercy is a professor and scholar in residence at Houston Christian University, and she's the author of several books. Uh, but this article really grabbed my attention because of the headline, Why Has It Become Okay to Attack Men? Before we get into the article, I just want to ask you a question, yeah. and we've talked about this just a little bit, but I'm curious to know if you really feel like there is an attack on men today. Yes, I believe in society there is a move to uh, attack men. Like, I, I can't say that I feel attacked personally, but what I see happening is a broad brush attack upon you know men, and so it's it's in the literature, it's in what we see on television. You know that the dad is usually not present, or he's some kind of bumbling, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> idiot or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, those type of things are attack on on men. It's, it's kind of saying that are, are are we really useful or necessary? Can we just do things without them? And I think that's the prevailing thought that's that, that's being promoted. You know, concerning men. Do you do you think that men are attacked when they are told how to be men? Like when there is an assertion that, um, you know, that there can be something that is definable um, when it when mm. you're talking about a man. Like, is it an attack on men to say that men have to be strong or men have to be brave or even men have to lead families? Like, is that mm. when we talk about those yeah. things, is that, um, I don't know, injurious of men? No, I don't think so. I, I think there are some requirements, you know, of men. And I, I think to point out that men should be leading families or men should uh, not be effeminate or, you know, things like that. I don't think that's hurtful or an attack. As a matter of fact, I think that's helpful. Mm. But I think we need to define what strength is. You mm. know, it's not necessarily how much weight you can lift and things like that. Strength, you know, comes from within as well. Like, you know, are you a humble man? Are you a man who is meek? And meekness can be seen as weakness, but it's not. You know, the qualities, are, are you a covering for your family? Mm. Are you one who uh, considers your family? You know, and I think, I think if you look at men, uh, sometimes we have a struggle of being, you know, uh, by default selfish. Mm-hmm. I think we got to fight through that. And I think there was a time, and especially reading this article, it just brought something to light. There was a time in this country where, you know, it was expected of men to think of others first, mm-hmm. meaning his family first. But, you know, when you change the tone of the country and how, what's valued, things outside of the home begin to be of utmost importance. And so I think uh, to, to remind men that, hey, you're supposed to be strong. There's a strength that a man has mm-hmm. or there's a, a type of, you know, uh, 
attitude that a, that a man has. Uh, men don't do this. They do this. I think it can be helpful. Yeah, I think and even some of the things that you're pointing out would be a decline that's happened over generations. Like yeah. I think that there was a time when um, maybe this idea that men are selfish, maybe that's something that has been passed down through generations. I mean, if mm. you go back to the beginning and you look at the created order, it doesn't seem like God created a selfish being. You know That's what I true. mean? It seems that God created a perfect being. And of course, sin enters the picture because right. sin is now in the human DNA. And you see all of the areas where we could have a deficit being manifested. And I think yeah. one of those ways would be selfishness and then creating the kind of conditions that allow for that selfishness to grow, mm. I think is what we have seen. Um, and we're going to get into talking a little bit about it. Should we turn to Nancy Piercy's article? Yeah, I think definitely. it's really interesting. Uh, why has it become okay to attack men? And again, just found this fascinating. Um, she begins this way, how we stop this kid becoming a monster, how we stop this kid becoming a monster. The words were emblazoned on the front page of an Australian news tabloid. <laughs> Alongside was a photo of a boy who appeared about six years old with a call for all schools to address the menace of toxic masculinity. Wow. What kind of ideology teaches people to see a six year old as a potential monster? The public rhetoric berating boys and men has grown increasingly harsh and bitter, sometimes with good reason, she writes, yet justified outrage against abusive behavior has all too often degraded into ugly male bashing. And that's some of what I want to talk about today. She refers to a Washington Post article that was titled, Why Can't We Hate Men? There was a Huffington Post <laughs> editor who oh tweeted goodness. out, hashtag kill all men. Wow. You can buy T-shirts that say so many men, so little ammunition. Oh and then there are books that have appeared with titles like I hate men or no good men or are men necessary? I, mm. I'm telling you, it's overwhelming to read this. I'll just continue and then we'll kind of take it a piece at a time. Even some men have taken to demeaning their own sex. Author and editor John Stoltenberg wrote, talking about healthy masculinity is like talking about healthy cancer. Wow. The director of the movie Avatar, James Cameron, said testosterone is a toxin that you have to work out of your system. And so then Piercy asked this question in her piece here. Where is this hostile language coming from? And she says to understand this, we've got to go back in American history to a time when masculinity first began to be described in negative terms. Mm. And she says for that, you've got to go back to the Industrial Revolution. Before we get into that yeah. portion of the article, um, your thoughts about some of the male bashing that um, clearly Nancy Piercy yeah. has receipts for. Man, it's crazy when you think about it, when you just read those titles and, you know, it's like, wow, like, is this where we have come to? Man. You know, um, it, it this shows that there is an attack on, on men, mm -hmm. you know, and that and it's something to, to hear that is not only coming from women, it's from men themselves like saying like you know we need to get testosterone out of our system mm. and things like that so uh, there is a move in hollywood there's a move in academia you know to push this mm -hmm. but we as the ones who are followers of christ we have to stay close to the straight edge of scripture what does the bible say about what a man is and how he's supposed to uh relate to his family to society and all of that we have to go to the word of god and as we talk about the industrial revolution i think 
we should consider, man, how do we, is there a way to get back to the heart of where a man was not considered toxic? You know, because our, our society has changed mm-hmm. pretty much forever. Yeah. So is there a way for Christians to get back to really what the Bible says about being a man? So that would be pre-industrial yes. revolution. Pre, when Yeah, pre-America. <laughs> well, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah, getting getting this, the biblical <laughs> definition. I am so glad you said that. The biblical definition for manhood predates the existence of this country. It goes yeah. all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. And we have a biblical foundation for understanding what men um, are to be like and what we are to rightfully expect from men. Are you thinking right now about summer camp for your eighth to 12th grade students? Well, we wanna invite you to allow your kids to join us and our entire family for a week of summer camp in North Carolina. That's right, this is the third year that we will be at the North Carolina Refuge. We are super excited about a week of culture proofing. July 21st through the 26th, we are going to discuss biblical worldview. We're gonna train your kids and biblical worldview and we are not holding back we are going to defend the truth of scripture we are going to look to the word of god for how we engage the culture our aim is to ready kids to be able to live in this world while not having this world live in them you can learn more by going to ncrefuge.org that's ncrefuge.org we will be there with all of our children (laughs) and even a few mayflies Maybe just a few. Just a few. But you know what? Great times of worship, great times of fellowship. It's just going to be a great time. So sign your kid up today. ncrefuge.org, ncrefuge.org. If you've got questions, you can email us, mail at cultureproof.net. That's mail at cultureproof.net. Getting back to Nancy Piercy's article, and she's, you know, acknowledging or pointing out that prior to the industrial revolution, men had a stake in their family. Mm -hmm. Like they had a vested interest in caring for their family. I want to go back to this article here. She writes until that time, talking about the industrial revolution, men worked alongside their wives and children on the family farm, the family industry or the family Mm -hmm. business, the cultural expectation of men focused on their caretaking role. Wow. In fact, most books and articles on parenting were addressed to fathers, not mothers. Sons were like apprentices in their father's craft or trade. Men were expected to reach out to be fathers of the community. Mm. Harvard historian Stephen Osmond writes, the direction of a household was presented as the highest human art. And that is the quote from him. Direction of a household was presented as the highest (laughs) human art, extending Mm. out to, quote, church and school, friends and neighbors, the poor and needy, end Mm. quote. Historians call this a communal vision of masculinity. Historian Gordon Wood in his Pulitzer Prize winning book, The Radicalism of the American Revolution, says men, quote, were expected to suppress their private wants and interests, end quote, to protect the common good of their family and community. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. feel like as I'm reading this, this is what you have been pressing and this is what you Mm -hmm. have been communicating for some time now that men tend to be so like gripped by being the CEOs of companies and by having something to lead. But I feel like what you've been saying here Mm -hmm. is, man, leading the family is valuable. That is successful. That mindset that is, is laid out here about 
the fam taking the men taking care of their family is the highest form of art or wh whatever mm -hmm. however it was la laid out like what if we had that mentality today i think it has been taken away because of the need for success outside of the home so if every man would see um success as being a healthy strong family then i think we will see the community change mm, you know mm -hmm. because communities are made up of families and then we have the, the big problem of fathers not even being in the homes yeah you know so that's another thing but what if what if a, a man saw the uh the the strength and the the um health of his family as a high achievement mm -hmm. and not you know, climbing the corporate ladder, if that wasn't the, the metric. But man, my family, are they intact? You know, my kids, my wife, that should be the mindset. And I think that, that, that would be how we could change this country. You know, I think one of the things that we were talking about this earlier, and I said, man, you know, society would really have to change the way we see men and how we view success. And then yeah. you immediately corrected that thought and said, no, this is the job of the church. Yeah. It's it's for us to whom the truth has been entrusted yeah. that we are to be salt and light. And exactly. so what I gathered from what you said, and I agree 100 percent, is that the church, like followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, have got to not only believe that this is true, but we've got to live that this is true. Yeah, definitely. When I say the church, I don't mean a building. or mm -hmm. I mean the, the families that are made up of the church, of fathers, mothers, children, you know. And so because the, like our brother Abe says, the world is going to world. Mm -hmm. So they, they're going to continue to uh, chase the pursuits of the world, the pursuit of happiness, you know, the, the uh, careers and man, how can I get on top? But we in in the church, in the body of Christ, we think, okay, what is real success? Mm -hmm. So if I am successful at my career, but I'm failing in my home, that's not success. That's good. Yeah. And so I think that's how we have to think as the body of Christ. All right. Getting back to this article, looking at what happened after the Industrial Revolution, because remember, we're kind of like juxtaposing two time frames or even you might even say two different worlds where you have men who are at home and don't see that as like the wife's domain and and still successful and still masculine and then we have the industrial revolution that ripped men and i want to use strong language here mm. so that we have the right biblical picture of what happened that ripped men from their homes and then told them that their metric for success was everything that happened outside of the home and and i think i'm going to tell you i really believe that you can attach this or connect this to the disintegration of marriages as well because mm. there's got to be a certain level of bitterness that i think wives feel when they feel like, okay, you've invited me to marry you, and now everything that you focus on happens outside of this, and, and wow. you get the husband on the nights and the weekends, if that, because now, you know, with the fast pace of our society, it's like dads are always working. You know, you you are always accessible because of cell phones, because of, you know, email and text messages and all of those things. But it seems like that's created a type of bitterness that has led to, I've read some articles in the past where you have um, the discontent of wives, where they feel like they are overworked and undervalued. And I'm wondering if it cannot be connected to the reality mm. that when you remove the structure, right, that is 
fathers leading families and being present and finding a sense of value and worth in that presence, then it leaves you with women who are overworked and who are bitter about what they're doing in life. Yeah, I always say that when you um, get away from God's design for something, you get chaos. Mm -hmm. And so I I do think that will pose problems internally for the family if the father is a workaholic and that's all he thinks about and he feels like his chief aim is to bring home the bacon, that's it, you know, and not really focus focusing in on being present with his wife and his children, it would cause internal uh, problems. And so, yes, I I agree with you on that. Getting back to Nancy Piercy's article, she asked the question, how did Americans lose the communal vision of masculine virtue? I love that masculine virtue. Like, man, can, can we normalize that, you know, as, as a buzz term, if you will, or, you know, that, there is virtue in being masculine. Just That just kind of jumps out at me. Mm. But she talks about the Industrial Revolution took work out of the home and men had little choice but to follow their work into offices and factories. For the first time, men were no longer working with their family members, people they loved and had a moral bond with. Instead, they were working as individuals with other men. Mm. And people began to protest that men were losing the caretaking ethos of the previous era, that they were becoming individualistic, egocentric, self-seeking, greedy, acquisitive, even turning financial success into an idol. And she says, this is when we first see negative language applied to the male character. Wow, that's something. And that's, you know, we talked about selfishness. It seems like this and by and large, this is where it came in. You know, uh, speaking of America, mm. that when you flip the things, you know, on his head, whereas now everything outside of the home is of the utmost importance mm-hmm. and the things at home begin to suffer, man, you have more of that. Like the, the human nature is well, if I see this as success, I want more of it, more, more. If I can get more money by doing this rather than, you know, doing some of the things that really matter then I want that. And I'm not saying that men shouldn't provide for their families. I, you know, I know things changed in this country. So things, jobs were pushed out there, but I think we suffered internally. And I mean, by the family because of some of these changes. Yeah. Okay. So one other thing about the industrial revolution, removing men and um, robbing us of that masculine ethic or that masculine virtue is that when fathers left the homes, they became unaware of what happened inside the home. And so their attitudes toward their children began to change as well. They were not attuned to the family's dynamics. They didn't know what was going on. Um, And getting back to Nancy Piercy's article, it says, already in the 19th century, fathers began to be criticized as out of touch, irrelevant, Mm -hmm. superfluous, and incompetent the seeds, she writes, of Homer Simpson stereotype. Wow. <laughs> we something. have we have not recovered that. You know, I, I would say something, you know, during the time of COVID, um, when I was working more in an office setting, and then that happened and then, you know, everybody was moved to a flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh one thing one thing that I feel like the Lord revealed to me by coming home was that I was necessary. Man. I didn't know some of the things that, that were going on, you know, because um, it's just I was not there, you know. Um, but seeing the day to day thing, you yeah. know, and now my schedule had changed. I didn't have to go in until like later. Man, I, I begin to see a lot of things that I didn't see just because I was there more. Yeah. So I, I see what she's saying here 
that, you know, it's easy for the, the man to be out of touch if he's not there because time is a key factor. If you don't know what's happening, if you're not there, you don't know what's happening, then you, you really are not engaged and involved like you should be. Yeah. And, you know, reality is just in transparency here, there began to be a lot of bitterness that was building up in my heart because mm. of the load of our family and and feeling like, man, you know, we are together doing this, but mm. it felt an awful lot like me doing it, you know, the family aspect of what we were doing. And I think in having some of those tough conversations and the Lord allowing for us to have that season where, you know, wow, you were able to see that you are necessary. I think it's important to use that kind of language because our society says that men are unnecessary at home. Mm. In almost every setting where men work, they are told or it is reinforced that they are unnecessary at home. Mm -hmm. So more hours here, more hours here. Mm -hmm. Well, don't you have a wife? Let your wife take care of that. Let your wife, don't you have a wife? As if like what you do or what you would see mm -hmm. in the children would be unnecessary. And again, getting back to what we've already stated, um, the church has got to take the lead on saying that husbands and yeah. dads matter. Because that... Well, that uh, is can be destructive for the family. Yeah. That, that will cause a wedge uh, between the husband and the wife. Yeah. And so if you have this going on, and this is how our uh, society flows, and you have this happening in a lot of homes where there has to be a way and things like that, it does bring a, a, a breach uh, within the family. So that may be some of the other things that we're dealing with when we're talking about you know, our, our families disintegrating. Yes. Because there's not that closeness. There's not that working together. You know, everything has to be outside of the home. Then, you know, the feature of husband and wife working. Yeah. At the same, you know, so it's just, there's a lot of factors. But I think when we look back at the home, we're, we're like, we can see that uh, as a result, uh, the victim has been the family. Wouldn't it breed um, a certain type of rebellion among children that, you know, you've got, uh, daughters and sons who feel like dad just takes up space in the family. You know, if they have a question, they can't ask dad. They can't, you know, I, there's a joke right now in our family um, because I, you know, I think we've got one kid in particular who, you know, asks permission to do a lot often. And my, my automatic response is go ask dad, go ask dad. And so here just recently um, he was asking permission <laughs> to do something. And I said, go ask dad. And he said, I hate that statement. <laughs> and and oh, one wow. of the, and I love it. I love that statement. And let me tell you why, because he knows that you're going to take a second and ask some probing questions. And usually, you know, I tend to be kind of like, eh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Let me think about it, which is like my stalling technique, right? It's like, I don't have an answer for you, yeah. um, but let me just think about it. But you are going to, well, what did you do this? And did you do that? And have you earned the right to do that? And, and so he said to me, and I laughed, man, it was so funny. Because he's like, hey, can and I'm like, go ask dad. And he was like, hey, okay, uh, I will. By the way, I hate that statement. And, <laughs> and, and I said, great. Like, but I, I feel like that commands a certain level of respect yeah. in our homes today. If you've got the mom who is basically leading by default, mm. you know, all of the questions come her way. All of the decisions are made by her. The dad even says publicly, I don't know that your mom knows. Oh, mm. I don't know. I don't. Mm. That is a failure. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I think it's also it has also trained men to um, not value what is what 
what their role is in yes. the home. You know, so there is a thing of like, well, yeah, you know, the the home is run my mom. I I, I bring in, you know, I do this. You know, I, make I do the bacon, this. She cooks it. Yeah, when when it comes <laughs> to the stuff that's happening inside, well, that's all her. You know, and me personally, I've learned, you know, that I have to be more engaged, that I have to um, see how I can help out more. Mm-hmm. How can I serve more? What can I do? You know, uh, it may be something smaller, like why, like me, you know, doing some chore or doing school with Sam Witt or, yeah, some, you yeah. know, those type of things, they, they matter. But if you're not there and if you're just kind of submitting to what the culture has already presented mm-hmm. to you, then you will miss that whole thing. Or intervening in arguments like shaping character. Yeah. You know, it has been such a blessing <laughs> to me that when you hear things that you're like, wait, what's going on here? And then and then you go and investigate and bring wisdom and help. And I think even for our kids, like to see you return to our family, because just to be honest, man, there was a return to our family. Mm -hmm. I think it really kind of shook them up a little bit in the beginning. It was like, whoa, like, okay, dad, Um, because usually, (laughs) you know, it had been me like, hey, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, let's talk about this. And now to see you in that role, I think returns the balance and even weights the authority of dad, not just the one who comes in and drops the hammer, but the one who also nurtures and corrects and says, man, you can't talk to people like that. You know, dads have an important role to play. And I think we as the church, again, Mm. I just want to run a highlighter over this again. Yeah. We are tasked with leading in that. We have to be salt and light. The the Lord does not call for the unsavory, right, to be salty. It's those Mm. of us who have the salt for us Mm. to be salty. And I want to say something, too, in talking about um, the role of fathers and how fathers have essentially been, you know, effectively removed from the home because of all of the demands that have been placed on dads and the expectations that now focused outside of the home and and all of these things. I think it's important to also recognize that women just stepped into that vacuum Mm -hmm. without even, you know, second guessing whether or not they should have. And I I think there is a responsibility and I'd love to get your take on this. Mm -hmm. I think there's a responsibility of wives to communicate the need for yes. dads to step in and to say that they want that. I think women, that's good. you know, for generations have been so comfortable leading. And I think this is a part of our fallen sin nature yeah. that there it's going to, it would be hard for men to step back into that's that right. place because I think there'd be some wives and moms who'd be unwilling to give up their positions. Yeah. For wives and moms to be able to uh, communicate that they want that. Because yeah. one of the things I have to just say, you know, again, going back to the time of COVID and when we did the flexible schedule, I had questions in my mind, like, how, what would I even do? Like, how do I even fit in? You thought I had it all together, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think most uh, fathers are like, you know, man, so I don't want to mess stuff up. <laughs> you know, I'm going to come in and blow the whole ship up, you know? <laughs> like, so I think, I think the thing is, you know, that... The fathers have to understand that your role is vital Mm -hmm. and the mothers also, you know, uh, have to be in a place where uh, they want that because if they communicate, man, I got this. Yeah. You know, no, you don't need to. Then that's going to just cause the father just to be like, okay, well. And by the way, (laughs) wives don't communicate that just by words. 
Mm. Like it's not just saying, hey, I got this or hey, no, 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 just let me. It is also in our actions. It's what we do. It's the attitude with which we do it. Like this, <laughs> this I am a strong woman is in a lot of women's hearts. Mm. And and we've got to recognize that it's not just um, it's not just what we say. Yeah. It's how we do things. Do we just make decisions without talking to our husbands first? Right. Do we just enter into agreements without talking to our husband first? Do we tell our kids that they are allowed to do something and then just let dad know mm. like all of these things signify um the man is unnecessary mm. and I, I can do all of these things all on my own and i think if we are to turn our families and get back to a biblical understanding of what the family looks like it's going to take both pieces yeah. not not just the men stepping in and saying okay you know dun, 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 i'm right. here it's going to also be the wife saying man i need you here yeah. and i want you here and i want you in that role i want to serve you in that way and so and also to, to add to that point you're dealing with a lot of brokenness in families and so when you like when you have uh a, a wife who maybe didn't have a father mm. or uh you know a husband who didn't have a father you know they don't really know how there's no to, picture of it there's no picture of it so you you're putting that on top of the problem too so you know if there was no father around there may be a genuine uh mindset that well, not really necessary. Mm-hmm. We we made it, and you no know, father was around, you know. But in the body of Christ, we got to understand that brokenness is not the standard. You know that can't be what rules the day. That we have to go back to what the word says about it, and and have that intact. You know because that's something that we're dealing with too as a society because we have so many homes that uh, the fathers are gone. I really love how you said that, and and I just again I just want to echo it. Um, you just said that brokenness is not the standard. Mm-hmm. And and I think if we're honest, we have, even in the body of Christ, we have made brokenness the standard. And brokenness is not the standard. You know, I came into our marriage having not um, had my dad present, mm-hmm. and I did not know what that looked like. And it made it incredibly difficult for me to need you. Like mm-hmm. I, right. I mean, it was easier for me to love you. It was, it was easy for me to respect you. I saw you as a minister, as a missionary, like I respected you tremendously. I mean, I even called you the Bishop, you know I mean? Like I just, that was not a problem. But when we got married and I realized, and this happened over time that I came into our marriage feeling like I didn't need you, but I didn't know that mm-hmm. initially. Right. I didn't I didn't know that I came into marriage because I thought, no, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm good. Right. Like I know the Lord, I believe his word, and I'm going to do what he requires. So I came in fully set on submission. Mm. I am gonna follow the leadership of my husband. <laughs> I'm not gonna get married if I can't do it, right? But then what I realized very quickly, and it took a long time for this to be uprooted, you know, in my heart, was that I felt like okay, I don't need you. Like Mm -hmm. I can, I can do all of the things that you are doing. I can do all of the Mm -hmm. things that you would do. And that is a horrible place to live, right? Because not only does it echo what we're talking about right now, that, that men are unnecessary, Mm -hmm. right? But man, it rivals God's design, his perfect design, his good design. When, when he said it's very good, everything is good. Um, When we come into a situation where we say, well, I don't need what he said is good. Yeah. And if if things like that are let, uh, if you let them persist, they continue going. Yeah. So this is what you model for your children as well. Even if the father and the mother in the home, you know, if there's an attitude, you know, of where one is, you know, not really essential, then yeah. that, that goes oh. down to the daughters and the son. Yeah. 
and they will govern their homes the same way. Like we have a chance right now if we saw family uh, the way that God sees the family and, you know, marriage and, and things like that to change the way things are going. But mm-hmm. we have to, as the body of Christ, take this seriously and say, okay, what do I need to do personally to make sure that I'm in line with God's order? Man, it's so good. You know, I'd like to continue this conversation I because there's so much more in the article. Maybe we can do a part two mm-hmm. of this particular podcast. I mean, she talks about, um, you know, women getting the vote and how that mm-hmm. also reinforced yeah. a divide in the family and the husband no really longer. Oh, man, that was, that neither did I. Point. You know, yeah. really what this tells me is that the condition of families in America is spiritual at its core. Yeah. And what we're talking about without saying it in every instance where we're talking about it, what we are actually talking about is upending God's design that men would lead their families Mm -hmm. anywhere you have um, a display of independence uh, from God's word, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to do what I think is right in my own eyes. Then you clearly have a time of the judges (laughs) and you have the the spiritual underpinning of that, that then manifests itself in all of the social ails that we see around us. Um, So look, men in positions of leadership, Mm -hmm. women loving that and Mm -hmm. celebrating that and wanting that and desiring that, um, that's a culture proof position. And and it's difficult to get there because we have normalized women being sort of the de facto heads of families. Mm. And we even celebrate it. Like we, we talk to wives and moms as it pertains to the family. Mm-hmm. rather than and man i know i said i wanted to but i just want to get your take on yeah. this rather than talking to dads as the heads of families and then the dad saying well i'm going to talk to the one who is over that area of mm-hmm. the family yeah you know what i mean yeah i think that's a, a much better way to do it you know um because the order that god has given is that the man is the head of yeah. the family but the wife man is <laughs> look right alongside like you work together amen you know you don't demean or anything like that i'm not your slave exactly <laughs> you know i i value um what, who you are and amen. what you do and so i think that's that's the, that's a strong marriage that's a strong connection and we should as the church once again i always say the church because again the world they're going to be mm-hmm. how they are i mean it's just the way that it, it is but man we as a church we have a, a a standard that has been given to us by god and we need to follow that standard amen one last thing cuz i was joking about not being your slave i also want to make the point here that I absolutely 110% need you. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think that is important. I don't think of myself as um, independent. I also don't think of myself as a weakling, mm-hmm. right? I think that there is a strength in recognizing God's design mm-hmm. and saying, man, I need my husband. I, mm-hmm. I need to run these things by him. I need to ask him mm-hmm. for his wisdom. Uh, when I do that, I'm in agreement with God's word Amen. and it makes our relationship healthier. I'm yeah. not your slave. Um, but also I am submitted to your leadership Amen. and and joyfully so. I want Amen. to be submitted to your leadership. And I think that's important. Amen. All right. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.